tech.eu podcast with myself, Neil Murray, and Roxanne Barza. Hi, Roxanne. Hi, Neil. So this week we will be covering tech.eu's European Food Tech Report and a look with at both funding and exits in the sector. We'll talk about Spotify's somewhat controversial funding. They've raised $1 billion in debt. We have a look at two European health tech startups that raised big funding this past week. We have also a catch-up with the founder of German startup Leafree, and that's with our editor, Robin. And finally, we take a look at some of the best April Fool's pranks from the tech community. Our listeners probably already know that tech.eu has published a number of different reports on European tech. Obviously, this includes reports like FinTech report we just did. We also did one on the French ecosystem. So the latest report published is on the food tech industry, including funding and exits for 2015. In 2015, European food tech startups raised 1.1 billion euros. So that's across 87 deals. Quite impressive, actually, I'll have to say. The top three funding rounds go to Delivery Hero. So that's 287 million euros. That was the biggest round. Second one up is HelloFresh, 130 million. Food delivery startups are obviously scoring the most money in the food tech space and also have the most number of deals. So I don't know if that's like some kind of strange trend that we'll see die out or what, but that's definitely what the numbers are showing for right now. As far as the number of deals are concerned, Rocket Internet was the one connected to the most. So six of the top 10 rounds of funding were kind of rocket backed. Geographically, I think it's probably no surprise, Germany and the UK were the two leading countries. I found it kind of odd that Sweden was in third place. Do you know any food tech startups from Sweden? Do you know what? None really jumped to mind. Like, I guess the only one that, that I kind of think of quickly is one called, or I'm just pronouncing it kind of in a very English way, but Matt Smart or Mal Smart, which is like food processing. Um, and they've raised a fair bit of money recently. Um, I mean, big for seed. But to be honest, other than that, there's none that like kind of jump to mind or I think that are particularly kind of killing it in this space. So yeah, I have to admit, I'm kind of surprised that they're up in third place as well. But perhaps there is kind of a number of these kind of small, I mean, there's so many more investments going in Sweden right now. There's probably, you know, they're going into all sorts of verticals. So I think we just see Sweden kind of feature near the UK and Germany nearly everywhere now, just because there's so much money coming in. That it's just natural that kind of when you look at these individual verticals, you also see Sweden doing quite well. But in terms of like, yeah, like some really hot Swedish food tech startups. I may have people moaning at me here and, and kind of saying that I'm missing something very obvious, but off the top of my head, I can't think of any who are particularly killing it right now. Yeah, that's why I was kind of so surprised to see them in third place. But clearly, there's something that I need to learn about Sweden. As far as M&A is concerned, in 2015, there were 27 M&A deals. So that's 26 acquisition and one merger. I guess if listeners want to access the full report, they can purchase it for £129 on tech.eu. Yeah, I mean, it's quite an interesting area of food. I mean, it's it's very niche in a way, I think. I mean, it's still, even though it's an area which has a lot of money going into it, this is mainly because of Rocket. I mean, we see that, like you say, they featured six of the top 10 rounds of funding. So clearly, it's them kind of dictating this. And I think we've said before on the podcast, you know, when you're up against Rocket and their money, that's kind of the approach you have to take as well. So you just see a lot of money going into any vertical that Rocket are competing in. But still, it's still kind of very small despite that and I, I you know 
27 M&A deals, still fairly small. So, you know, the return is not necessarily there for the money that's coming in, but it is a space which is continually kind of consolidated. So I think there will be more exits in this space over the next year or so. Yeah, and I'm, I'm guessing that we're going to also see Deliveroo climbing the ranks as well as, as we go forward. So now let's take a look at Spotify's recent funding, a debt round of $1 billion. Apparently, the online music race is on. So it, everybody's kind of saying that this is Spotify beefing up to go up against Apple. TechCrunch reported that the company raised with TPG, Dragoneer, and clients of Goldman Sachs. I guess by raising debt rather than raising equity, Spotify won't have to worry about poor signaling from a down round if they raise at a lower valuation than $8.5 billion that they set in June 2015. But it is a bit of a controversial strategy because if Spotify doesn't perform well, it could cost the company a lot of money. For example, TPG and Dragoneer get a 20% discount on whatever share price Spotify sets when it, you know, eventually there's an IPO. The company also has to pay 5% annual interest on the debt with 1% more every six months, up to 10%. I mean, we're not talking about, you know, small amounts here. So I guess people are wondering why Spotify would do this. I guess it's really in order to compete with Apple, the most well-funded company in history, what is what TechCrunch called it. And I guess Spotify really needed to accept some aggressive terms in order to do so. This also makes it possible for Spotify to make acquisitions, I guess, with SoundCloud and Pandora performing a little bit, you know, underperforming at the moment. Spotify has an opportunity to kind of bring more indie music and radio content to its platform. A source close to Spotify also revealed that the company had $570 million in the bank, so there was no real need to raise this money other than to kind of beef up its strategy. And I guess they're, they're obviously feeling that they're going to be performing well. But do you think this is a risky play at all, Neil? Uh, well, I think raising money in general is always risky, right? That's how I see it, is that, yes, these terms probably are not exactly what they would have wanted, but I don't necessarily think they're that bad. They would, if they raised the equity round, it would have been below the 8.5 billion valuation. There's pretty much no question of that. So they, they obviously avoided that. But if you think about it, I mean, the terms also, it's a lot of money. And these, these lenders, they wouldn't give it to them if they didn't actually think that Spotify was good. You know, they're not doing it in the hope that Spotify messes up and then pays them back that money because I tell you what, they'll get a hell of a lot more money if Spotify is successful. So they're not doing the deal because they think Spotify will end up paying all these penalties. They're doing the deal because they think Spotify is going to succeed. So when you think about it like that, it's pretty much the same as any other, you know, financing deal. So yeah, for for me, it's great that they can raise a billion. Yeah, it's not the terms that they wanted or, or whatever, perhaps, but I I don't think it's necessarily that bad. There's also, this is, there's an example of, of this happening before with another big company, and that's Uber. So Uber actually did this a couple of years ago, just raised it as debt because they weren't able to raise around where the equity and valuation would have gone up. But a couple of years down the line, they have been able to raise equity rounds again at a higher valuation. So it wasn't the peak of their valuation. And I don't think 8.5 billion will be Spotify's peak valuation either. So yeah, for me, of course, I think it's uh, it's an odd round perhaps, but I don't think it's as, as kind of, as, I mean, TechCrunch called it doing a deal with the devil. I certainly don't think it's it's anything uh, kind of quite as bad as that. The other point I'd like to make is I, I personally don't think they're going to buy SoundCloud or Pandora or anything like that. It's the most obvious kind of thing to you know assumption to make i guess if you've got a load of money in the bank that you could buy a competitor but for me it'll probably be more spent on video something like that i don't think though they will buy soundcloud or pandora 
Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I also think obviously TechCrunch is a bit of a, you know, much more dramatic media. So I think as far as doing a deal with the devil, yeah, it's probably not a, a type of deal that we see very often. But I definitely think it's it's really interesting strategy. And it also points to Spotify's confidence in the space. So I think that's uh, that's really interesting to see. So now we have a few European health tech startups that have raised big money this week. One of them was French neurotech startup Rhythm that raised 11 million with French billionaire Xavier Niel and entrepreneur and biotech investor Dr. Laurent Alexandre. He's based in Brussels. The funds will be used to further develop the company's dream headband. So that's a wearable device that monitors users' sleep quality. I think we've kind of started to see a lot of sleep monitoring devices and, and whatnot. But what's really interesting about this one is the future potential uses include education, virtual reality, and understanding the human brain. I think they should probably really play up that last one. Uh, the Rhythm CEO has said that the company is the largest neurotechnology company in the world. Um, I was a little bit unclear on whether he means by number of people or something else, but obviously they're apparently very well positioned. The company has offices in San Francisco and Paris. They're working with a French university and the French armed forces to conduct clinical trials on a typical sleep routine. So that's that's quite interesting. And I have to admit that on a personal level, I was really excited to see a product like this because I think there may be uses for different neurological conditions like epilepsy, a condition that I'm pretty sensitive about, for which I still find there are surprisingly few products and innovations. So that's definitely very interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting space, especially kind of neurotech. I mean, from my understanding, I don't know much about the area, but I kind of seen that this is quite a hot area at the moment, especially in, in kind of the health and wellness sector. So it's quite interesting to see a company like this be able to raise a lot of money in this space. So yeah, it, it's definitely kind of an area that, that we should keep an eye on, because it is one which I believe investors looking at more. And like you say, it's it's an area which does affect a lot of people. I mean, a lot of people have kind of a vested interest in, in kind of improvements in this space space. So it's definitely one which which kind of both has potential, I guess, from an investor's point of view, but also kind of on a human level as well. But this is a good area to kind of invest in. Yes. And I think definitely as, as far as the health space is concerned, we're starting to see a lot more rounds of funding. So the second startup that raised money this past week was Dutch DNA analysis startup Bluebee. They raised a 10 million Series A round from investors like Capricorn, ICT, Chorus. These are all obviously funds that I'm not as familiar with, obviously being outside of kind of the ecosystems I'm familiar with and also in the biotech space. But this specific company specializes in genomic analysis and they provide also a cloud-based performance solution to researchers labs and diagnostic companies. So obviously these new funds will be going to further develop their platform. Now we are lucky to have Robin on the podcast again this week. He's interviewing the CEO of German startup Leafery. Right. Hey, this is Robin Waters from TechU and I'm here with Nils, a co-founder of Leafery. What's Leafery? Leafery is a service and technology platform offering same-day delivery as either instant delivery within 90 minutes or a time window delivery at the very same day. And that's something you offer to online retailers? That's something we offer to pure onliners like Zalando, but also offering that to omni-channel retailers, delivering goods which are on stock in their local stores. And we're also offering that to local shops like mom and pop shops sending wine or gifts. Interesting. How does it work? Where's the added value versus working with a DHL or a FedEx? Or... 
Well, the, the added value is actually that you get the goods pretty fast. So you get it the very same day. You haven't have to wait for it. And the second thing is that you receive the parcels when you are actually home. So our delivery adapts to the um, daily schedule of the customer and not vice versa. Right. So which markets are you active in right now? We're so far active in Germany and also in Austria, in Vienna. Right now, we're working on a project for three big retailers in London. And next markets might be Netherlands, for example. And we're also looking very intensively into the Nordic countries like Denmark, Sweden and Norway. Got it. Explain to me again, you can do same-day delivery and the other, like the big delivery companies can't. Why is that? Well, because we operate a very dense inner city network, we have lots of couriers being available in the very heart of the city and we don't depend on big hub and spoke networks like the big integrators, but we operate individual line halls from the fulfillment center of a retailer to the city. We sort the parcels in a local parcel hub in the city and then deliver it from there to the customer. Or we pick up shipments directly at the store and deliver it from around the corner to your doorstep. What do you need to open in a new city? Do you have to have these parcel hubs in every city that you launch in? No, actually we don't because we only operate uh, parcel hubs by ourselves in the very big metropolitan areas. Um, in the smaller cities, um, we also do delivery tours directly from the retailer store or from, uh, from his warehouse. Or we use depots, local parcel hubs um, of our partners. And what we need to open up a new city is, of course, a career setup. So um, we have a very big partner management team who's doing all the career recruiting. They're managing the careers, talking to them on a regular basis, auditing them and making sure that they provide the service at the doorstep, which the customer expects from the retailer where he buys his goods. Um, it seems like a relatively capital incentive uh, business to be. So I take it you're funded? Yes, of course. We're funded. The company was founded within the Time Matters Group and um, we extracted Leafree uh, within a management buyout um, from Time Matters. When was this? That was one and a half years ago. That's Franz Josef Miller, Jan Onberg and myself. So we were uh, the only shareholders after that management buyout um, of the company. And then in the first big financing round, um, we were funded by Hermes Logistics Group, who is today shareholder with 28.5%. Um, yeah. You mentioned that you want to expand beyond German-speaking uh, markets, but what do you see in terms of timeline? Do you think all of this will happen you know, with the launch in the UK and Netherlands? Do you see that happening before the summer, by the end of the year? Like, what's the timeline look like? I'd say London is moving into our focus pretty, pretty fast. So that could be something for middle of the year. And um, then launch in, for example, Amsterdam would be something we'd be looking into with a schedule heading for maybe September or October this year. Interesting. Uh, what does the competitive landscape look like? Do you have rivals here? Yeah, of course we do. Um, Ronoff, one of the biggest competitors is um, Tiramisu, located in Munich. They are a provider for uh, Media Saturn um, on same-day delivery. Um, and there is also DHL Courier, um, also offering a, um, a evening delivery service, but in a slightly different system than we operate. And um, I think we're pretty flexible. Our platform um, is built in a way that we can adapt to the needs to the needs of retailers and change pretty fast. So we got to know that um, we won one of the biggest tenders with a big German fashion retailer because of our API, because it's so state-of-the-art and flexible. Great. Very interesting company. Niels, thank you very much for explaining. Yeah, welcome. It was a pleasure.
Oh, interested to hear what they're up to. I have to admit, I, I hadn't heard of them before, so it was good to to hear about a kind of under the radar German startup. So thanks, Robin. Yeah, I agree. I actually hadn't heard of them either. So definitely a great startup to feature. Finally, April Fools. So. That was last week, obviously. I didn't get any April Fool's pranks this year. I was kind of disappointed. Did you get any, Neil? No, I've been sick with the flu, so I kind of missed April Fool's, luckily. Um, I didn't know what was going on, so yeah, I, I would have been a good victim to get because I didn't know where I was, so it would have been it would have been good, but at least I don't think I've been pranked. <laughs> yeah, I would love, you know, if one year some startups would just send me, like, we've developed this crazy new product we want you to test or something, so any listeners are creative for next year, feel free to send me something. But even if you didn't receive an April Fool's prank, there are always companies that like to play a little joke. We have to start off with Google, I think. This is kind of the April Fool's prank champion. They launched a number of different pranks this past year. One of them was a new feature for Gmail called the mic drop. It lets you cut yourself out of those, you know, kind of annoying reply all threads that you really don't want to be on anymore. Apparently, though, when users, it is actually a feature that they included into Gmail. And when users would use the product, it would insert a minion GIF into emails. And some users were really not happy about that, having little minions sent out on important communication. So ouch for Google. Another one that they launched was the Snoopavision for YouTube. Essentially lets you watch videos in 360 with Snoop Dogg, which I found really weird, but I guess it's kind of fun. And this is obviously coming from a Snoop Dogg fan. Yeah, I mean, that sounds fun and, and kind of relevant. I mean, Snoop Dogg is still cool. A minion's still cool. You know, that's, that's what I'm also know. last thinking. I, I thought it was a bit odd to be using minions. I thought it was like a couple of years ago that minions were kind of the, the flavor of the day. So I, I thought that was uh, pretty odd. But yeah, I mean, that Google thing with, with the mic drop, I did see some, I mean, like I said, I didn't know what was real and what was not. But I did see some kind of very uh, disturbing examples of, of emails that, that had gone wrong a bit including kind of death of family members and stuff like that. And oh. people had sent the minion because like uh, what happened is, you know, they couldn't not do it or like, or like they did it by accident. Cause it was so easy to do. Uh, so there were quite a lot of kind of awkward moments with it. So I think it was only a cup up for a couple of hours before Google had to, to withdraw it. So they kind of really had some egg on their face uh, with that. I think the other one, which, which I did see was, was product hunt acquiring uh, Yahoo. And that was kind of everywhere. I think it was on, on tech crunch and product hunts, Twitter. But yeah, I, I found this odd mainly because it was done the day before. So it was like March 31st. It was almost, I was so excited about doing this that it came out the day before. So yeah, I, I thought that was uh, rather odd. I also thought it was rather strange. I mean, I know there is a, a big joke about Yahoo and, and you know, they're, they're probably going backwards while I was product hunter going forwards, but I, I did still find this one a bit weird. But I did <laughs> I have to admit, I, the funniest thing about it, I thought, was the fact that it was done before April 1st. It was almost like I couldn't wait to get this joke out there. I think that's almost mean. I didn't realize it came out actually on the 31st. But yeah, I think there are some companies that you kind of, you you can joke about and you kind of feel like they wish the joke was true. Um, so this kind of made me think, you know, yeah, Yahoo, you, you wish. So. <laughs> But yeah, definitely, I guess, clever and product hunt, obviously, being really, really nice in acquiring Yahoo. I think there were a number of other kind of creative product ideas that I saw. So there was a 3D donut printer that Krispy Kreme Donuts launched out. There are also lickable photos from OpenTable. That was on the actual OpenTable iPhone app. So you have, you know, images of people licking their phones. I thought that was kind of, kind of hilarious. There were a few from European startups. I always find that, you know, we have the big... Um, 
kind of a big influx of really silly pranks coming from the States and then Europe kind of, you know, there's a few here and there. But one that definitely caught my eye and I think they did a rather decent one was Deliveroo. They launched telepathic ordering because why be bothered to type something on your phone, which I thought was really quite clever. So um, that was that was the one that I liked the best from Europe. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. I, actually, the one the one that I liked about, I guess it does count as Europe actually because it's H and M. As I really enjoyed the Mark Zuckerberg range for H and M of like uh, seven grey t shirts and a pair of jeans in yeah, a packet. Quite fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I I enjoyed that. It was like simple but true, so it was funny. Yeah, you, you could almost believe it. But yeah, I, that was my favourite. Yeah, yeah, sounds great. Cool. Well, that's about it for this week. We will be back next week, of course. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Acast. Reach out to us with your feedback on the podcast. A couple of you have been doing that recently. That's great. Please continue. We're on Twitter at Neil SW Murray or at Roxanne Vaza at tech underscore EU. And of course, the website is tech.eu. But that's it. Thanks, Roxanne. Thanks, Neil.